most entrepreneurs and small business owners, it's the very thing that always seems to be in short supply. Tons to do, never enough time to get it all done. The good news is that our friends over at FreshBooks feel your pain and have created something to help you reclaim some of your precious time. FreshBooks is the simple invoicing solution that lets you create and send slick professional looking invoices in seconds. Oh, and invoicing is just the beginning. FreshBooks will also make managing your expenses, staying on top of who owes you what, and tracking your time the easiest part of your day. If your business keeps you constantly on the move, not to worry. The FreshBooks mobile app can keep up. You can use the camera on your phone to capture your receipts while you watch FreshBooks magically create your expense reports for you. If you do have questions, contact the award-winning FreshBooks support team and get help from real-life humans. No phone tree, no less we escalate that, no I will get back to you, just helpful service at the drop of a hat. So, to try FreshBooks free for 30 days, just go to www.gofreshbooks.com forward slash IU Radio Network. Again, www.gofreshbooks.com forward slash IU Radio Network. And enter independent underground news and talk into the how did you hear about us section show your support for the independent underground radio network which has been podcasting strong since 2010 with over 4.5 million downloads and over 700 episodes with our affiliate network of shows including constitutionally speaking with host autumn smith third wave feminism with host jenny and diane penny's politics with host penny sequoia and our flagship show independent underground radio live with host monica rw so how can you show that support by going to get the Independent Underground Radio Network app for just $2.99 at Google Play or the Apple Store. Just go and put in the search for Independent Underground Radio Network on Google Play or at the Apple Store and download a version of our app in order to have all of our affiliate network of shows right on your phone, your tablet, computer, or whenever you want to listen to them by streaming live of the Independent Underground Radio Network. Remember, just go to Google Play or the Apple Store. Search for Independent Underground Radio Network and download a version of our app on your phone for just $2.99 today and show your support for the best in independent life political anywhere in the world at the Independent Underground Radio Network. Is that the new iPhone? Yeah, got it on T-Mobile. Fastest iPhone deserves America's fastest LTE network. Introducing the amazing iPhone 8. It's the best iPhone yet, now on America's best unlimited network. For a limited time, save up to $300 on the amazing iPhone 8 after 24 monthly bill credits. And now join T-Mobile's iPhone upgrade program for free. Eligible trade-in and finance agreement required. If you cancel service, you may lose promo credits. Contact us for details. Video at 480p. Small fraction of users over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speed. See store for details. Hi, everybody. This is Jenny, and I'm here with... The fabulous Donna Miller. How are you doing today, Donna? I'm doing great, Jenny. So I'm going to let Donna introduce herself like I let all the other guests introduce themselves. So go ahead, Donna. You can introduce yourself. Well, I'm Donna Miller, and who am I? First of all, I'm a wife and a mother, and that in no way takes away from being a feminist, especially since I'm the mother of two boys. So that's my biggest job in life that I love and treasure and worked hard to get. Aside from that, I'm also an active member on many boards, such as Planned Parenthood. I help start a national sales network, which is an organization of salespeople. And I work a lot in the community on different healthcare-related topics, like educating people on how to eat better and how to make better choices and how to raise healthier kids. Those are things that are, I just do but also things that I think are important to share information with other people. Okay. So you said you're on the board of Planned Parenthood? Yeah. Yeah, I'm on the board for Planned Parenthood because we see such a vicious attack today on women's reproductive rights that we can't even believe what's happening. And I know I can't believe it because 
of my professional job, I forgot to mention that too, in my profession where I work, I work in the healthcare industry. I started off as a pharmaceutical rep. And all of the drugs that we brought to market were really top-notch blockbuster drugs, you know, things that help people for diabetes or um, uh, I don't, I'm using all the non-generic terms, but the point I make about when I say all the complicated drugs that I feel that I never thought that I'd have to be talking about whether or not people could get birth control pills or not. <laughs> so um, I never did sell birth control pills as a drug rep, but they were always there. And to think that we have such a debate going on right now as to whether or not women should be able to get birth control pills is just absolutely ridiculous. And it's something that we should not stand for and that I work for every day to make sure we don't lose those essential rights and rights to take care of our own bodies. So you said you sit on the board. So, like, what, is, what does the board do? Well, so there's – oh, wait, hold on for one second. I want to say she's on the board of Illinois for those who don't know. She sits on the board of Illinois for the parents. Right. So the board helps to make sure that our health centers – are running properly and that they're staffed and that we're out there making a name for ourselves as far as keeping things top of mind on a legislative um, aspect. So it's important that we have people who care to spend their free time because being on the board is volunteer and who's been their free time um, helping advocate for women's reproductive rights and making sure that Planned Parenthood health care centers are going to stay open, especially in this environment, but they stay open to take care of women's needs. And that's a huge part of what our government's trying to take away from us right now. And if we don't fight back and resist every single day, that we will slowly see those rights go away. So, like, if I wanted to get involved with Planned Parenthood, like, where would I, where would I go? What would I do? Like, what was like the first steps that you took to get involved? Actually, the first thing I did to get involved, and I didn't even know I was getting involved, was way back when I was in college, which was a while ago, and I just, it, honestly, I can't even remember why or how I did it because it wasn't for the cause of Planned Parenthood. It was just something I believed in, and I thought, oh, well, you know, I could be a volunteer. I must have seen a sign or something where it said, oh, come be a volunteer to uh, man this hotline. And I'm like, oh, well, that's easy. I can do that. So it was a hotline where if someone had questions about where to go for an abortion, they would call this hotline, and you would be the person on call, let's say, and you would answer the call. And it could be you had a shift. So let's say my shift was 5 to 10 at night. So you just had to make sure you were available in case your phone rang at that time. And I didn't really think, oh, I'm doing something that's such a big deal. I just thought, oh, well, of course, I can pass that kind of information on. And that's as, as a college student. So um, that's pretty cool. I'm just saying, like, just, yeah, that's pretty cool. Like, yeah, I, yeah, that's awesome. Now you get many calls, and, you know, so you're a volunteer, so it's not like I'm worried, am I going to get paid or anything. But when you did get calls, all you had to do was give the people the information of where they could call a Planned Parenthood center and what were their hours and, you know, just kind of give them reassurance and console them if they had questions. Like, I can't answer all your questions, but as soon as somebody does call, I mean, as soon as you call and make that phone call, there will be somebody there who can walk you through it. Because the biggest thing that most people miss in every aspect of their life is information. So people will say, well, I didn't know what to do, so I didn't do anything. Or I didn't know who to call, so I didn't call anybody. But if you see this hotline number or what have you, and you could call, this was before we had our cell phones. And so this is like really, like you call the number and this is the only person that you might be able to get help from. Absolutely, yeah, to so, get information. Yeah. So it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to patch you in. We didn't have that. <laughs> it wasn't that kind of thing like we have now. So it was, okay, if you're, you know, if you're calling up, I'd say, oh, hey, okay, so um, let me just, give you the information and, you know, they have to write it down. There's no follow-up or anything like that. But you're just you're just there to give that comfort to someone to say that there's someone out there who can answer their questions, even if it's just here's the phone number. Some people get so stuck when they're in a situation that they don't even know 
They, they don't even know how to find a number. They don't even know what number should I call or who should I talk to. Well, what if they're not there when I call and it's 9 o'clock? I'll never call back. So you just want to make sure you give them all the hours and all that. And when I look back on that, I was thinking, like, I didn't realize that I was such a healthcare advocate or advocate for women's rights at that time. But that was a big deal. And I, do, I mean, I didn't get many, many calls, but the calls that I did get, I feel like those were calls that may have changed someone's life one way or the other. Well, I'm pretty sure they are if they're calling for help. Absolutely, yeah. And just like you said, sometimes most people just want to hear a voice. On the other end, it's like, hey, this is conference, somebody's there listening. Right. Yeah, and I always just remember in my family, um, from my grandmother and my mother, we always talked about Planned Parenthood. And we always talked about, you know, if you need help, first of all, in my family, you don't need help from someone else because we were very open. But if we didn't want to ask my mother, I would say, well, if you don't want to talk to me, you just go talk to Planned Parenthood then. Hey, <laughs> well, <laughs> and I just always knew that was an option. It wasn't like I thought, well, does she really mean that? Or I was just like, okay. But there was nothing that I didn't want to talk to her about. So you said you were a pharmaceutical rep. What is like? How how would you say that it helped empower you become more active as an activist? Yeah. So one thing I noticed in the pharmaceutical industry. So whatever people think about the drug market, the legal drug market, I will say, because this is the legal drug market. Whatever people think about that, we do have great, great medications on the market that help people extend their life, change their life, or be able to live their life in some kind of way. So that's all important. You cannot take that for granted. However, the biggest thing I started noticing because of the areas that I covered is being a pharmaceutical rep is that certain drugs, and when I say drugs, I mean the pharmaceutical drugs, certain drugs were positioned in certain areas and promoted more um, in certain areas just based off of the perceived level of influence in those areas. So if people were in an underserved area where most people did not have you know, good insurance, a lot of times the doctors would say, well, you know what, I'm not going to use that drug. For, for these people because they don't listen anyway and the drug's really expensive. And so I started hearing that so often that I was like, what? Are you kidding me? Like this company, my company, the company I work for, spent all this money finding out is this drug worth it for whatever disease state we were talking about and now you're not going to use it because you don't feel that people deserve this drug because they're poor? And so it got to the point where I started writing letters to, you know, different representatives and different um, I have a question for you while you're saying that. So is that like, I mean, because they take the Hippocratic Oath. All doctors take that oath. Yeah. So wouldn't that go against the Hippocratic Oath, like, to do no harm? Because if you know, like, there's a better drug for me, aren't you trying to do harm? Aren't you harming me by not giving me that better drug? I mean, yes and no, because this was also at a time when, newer drugs were coming to the market, so people didn't necessarily know if they were going to work the way they said they were going to work. So they said, it's not that they weren't going to treat them, but they just weren't going to treat them with this new thing because we're going to wait until it really proves itself. I want you guys to see Donna's shirt. Sorry, I have to We finally got the live to work. We've been on for a while, guys. I'm sorry, the live wasn't working on Facebook. They were changing. So, so it's not that I, I, so I don't want to disparage doctors in any way to say that they're not going to treat people. But in our opinion, my opinion, as a drug rep, I know that the drug that I'm talking about to them is now proven to be better, okay, based off of some studies and all the stuff that we have to figure out. I mean, okay, so because you guys are the manufacturers of the, of the drugs, right? Right. So we manufacture the drugs. We're saying, okay, we made something better than our previous drugs that we made before. Or, yeah, or than anything that's out there. Yeah. Or, or this is something new, we just right. made it, and so now it's better. Right. Yeah. And so now it's better. So, hey, Dr. Martin, you try this, this new thing. Oh, well, I'm going to wait. You know, I'm going to wait. I don't want to try that right now. I'll just keep using the old stuff I've been using. And, 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 and then they would always have that on at the end, though. That's part I didn't like. And, you know, it's really expensive. Like, okay, but it's covered. Covered by their insurance. It's covered by, you know, whatever plans they're on. So what part of it being expensive is, is you, talk, you know, are you talking about? Um, so 
they say, well, you know, when we're talking about certain people, you know, when they're not that educated, and doctors, many doctors just say that, and they're not going to follow what I'm saying, so I'll just wait, and I won't use that drug. And it finally got to the point where I would say, so wait a minute, are you telling me that poor people don't deserve the same drugs as other people? No, I'm not saying that. I'm like, okay. So, so you call them out on the class. <laughs> right. Like, uh, I mean, you're not saying that, but that's what you mean by what you're not saying. Yeah. Actually. <laughs> so that became to be a big problem. And then I started noticing a lot of disparities in healthcare that were um, very specific area-related based off of what zip code you were in, you get certain things that other people wouldn't. Um, and I just thought, you know what, that is just not right. It's not right at all. And it's such a disservice to people who have no idea this is happening to them. So, like, my question is, like, okay, I'm an activist. How do I get involved to change it where when we do go to poor when we and we're in that poor hospitals, when we're in poor neighborhoods and go to hospitals and those neighborhoods, how do we make sure that we that and when I say we, I mean because I don't live in like the best best area ever. Mm-hmm. How do we get the same service as someone that does live in like one of these great fabulous rich neighborhoods? And the basic thing that I would say is you always have to advocate for your own health care, and you might have the best doctor in your opinion. You know, yeah. you're just a, per, a regular person. How do you know you best or she's the best based off of what? But, but you have to ask the right questions, you know. You have to say, is this the newest drug on the market? Has this been shown to help people in my age group? Has this been shown to help people in my ethnicity? And how, how many people have you put on this drug, doctor? You know, those are some things that just a person can ask. And the doctor might say, well, you know, I really don't have any experience with this, but I'm willing to try it on you just based off of some research that I've read. Okay. One of our admins said patients' rights are so important. They totally are important. And I've always been an advocate for patients' rights. And that's something I learned right in my own family. I just have to deviate and tell you this little story. Okay. Because yesterday I went to a, a sickle cell anemia uh, blood drive. Okay. My sister actually has sickle cell. And because of how they treat patients with sickle cell, because unfortunately, most patients with sickle cell are people of color. Okay. African Americans and other people of color. And so my sister is a child, okay? Children get diagnosed with sickle cell and they have to end up being in the hospital. And when my sister would have to keep going to the hospital over and over and over again, because when you're having a sickle cell crisis, you have to be on pain medication. Yeah, I remember that had this, so I know like she like the ambulance. I feel so bad because they're always there. Right. Well, now we have that's a whole other discussion. Pain epidemic crisis in this country, which if this was all people of color, it wouldn't even be the same level of. So anyway, so sickle cell patients have to get pain medication, and my sister was a child and she's you know just in pain. And you're and when you're a mother, you can't even imagine like what can I do for my baby? You can't do anything. Right. There's nothing you can do. But because of that though, my mother went completely off. I can't even <laughs> I, mean, I, did. I mean, I mean what I wanna do. I mean, she was like, Are you kidding me? You're not gonna give my baby the medication she needs because you think we might be seek drug seeking behavior? My mother was like, you know what, if I needed some drugs, I certainly wouldn't come to the hospital. Exactly. I mean <laughs> Like, this is a child, not... Right. And I'm not trying to now. <laughs> run up my child. I'm trying to help my child. Right. So, but because of that, and going back to the person who said about um, patient rights, because of that, this was at University of Chicago Hospital, um, that my sister, as a little eight-year-old, I think she was about eight or nine years old, helped craft a patient bill of rights with my mother. They got presented to the entire staff. They got presented to all the doctors. And doctors were asking an eight-year-old questions like, well, what's it like when you come in the hospital and people talk to you and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, it sucks. (laughs) It's not good. And they couldn't believe that, you know, they were the ones guilty of this, you know. So sometimes we do have to advocate for ourselves all the time. I shouldn't say sometimes. We always have to advocate for ourselves, and you never know where it's going to take you. So that patient bill of rights was one of the, first things that the hospital ever had, and it was started by a kid. <laughs> That's awesome because I, I see so many people, especially like the disabled community, 
people want to talk to them like they are children and like they're not adults that they can't articulate. And it's like, listen, I'm 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 an adult. It's nothing wrong with me. I'm just right. I'm I'm disabled. Right. I'm just like you. <laughs> Absolutely, and I think people miss that that importance that pe- every everybody like you said deserves of course they deserve to have their thoughts. That's right, and I mean just listening like I, like you said earlier. Sometimes I just want you to listen to what I'm telling you. I know you can't make it better. No one can make this go away. I just want you to listen. Right, and maybe you're not even asking for it to go away. Help me get through this moment in time. Because all I got to deal with is this moment right now. The pain is bad or the, the situation is terrible. Something is happening to me as a person. Why, That's why I'm here in the hospital. <laughs> Something's happening to me. So why can't you help fix it for now? Exactly. So I want to talk about more about Planned Parenthood and your involvement in that. Like, so now you're on the board, right? And yeah. by the way, you guys missed this. Donna is Illinois president. Or well, plan director. You're the board president? No, no. So oh, I'm on the board, and I'm the board chairman. Oh, I'm sorry, the board chair, yeah. chairwoman. Chairwoman. Yeah, yes. she's the board chairwoman. I'm sorry. Okay. So, yeah, so being on the board is, again, it's a volunteer. Okay. It's volunteer to be on the board. And most people who are on boards, they're on boards of things that they truly connect with and something they're passionate about and truly believe in the mission. So, of course, I truly believe in the mission of Planned Parenthood making sure that women have access to health care. And that is the main mission of Planned Parenthood that I got on the board for because of my health care background. And what's happened over the years, because I've been on the board for several years, but what's happened over the years is now we have to fight <laughs> just to make sure that women's reproductive rights aren't even taken away. And it's an every single day fight. And I think one thing that I said earlier was that I, couldn't, I would not even believe that at one time in my life that I was up here selling, I mean, I was selling different drugs for my pharmaceutical company. Highly designer drugs, you can call them designer drugs, very drugs for specific genetic diseases. So I say those are highly targeted drugs. And I'm like, oh, I'm making a difference in this small little population of people. But it doesn't matter how small that population of people is if you're one of those people. Right. Okay. So I was like, so this is making a difference. This is totally helping people. I never once in a million years thought that I would have to be thinking or fighting or saying these words that we might not have birth control pills. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> a lot of, I see a lot of people agree. We're all like, really birth control? We're fighting for birth control. Yeah. And, and the thing is that we do have to go back in history to look at how that came to be. I remember my grandmother actually telling me how liberating it was for women to find out they could have birth control pills. And it's like, well, I would just ask her, like, well, why? What's the big deal about that? Why, why was it a big deal to just be able to get birth control? She said, because we didn't want to be pregnant all the time. <laughs> we didn't yeah. want to have all these babies. That's why people had all these babies, because they couldn't control their own body. And then why well, that's so important, because they couldn't control their own body. They couldn't. That's and can you imagine? I mean, we can't even imagine that. I can't. I just even thinking about that. I can't even imagine. So because of that, though, it was a freedom. It was just such a huge weight lifted off of women's shoulders, where they thought, okay, now I can actually plan my life. I can plan when to have a baby. I can get married and plan a baby in two years. Or I could not get married and not have a baby if I don't want one. And that, for women in those times, and I've talked to a lot of women who are multi-generational, and to hear their stories about how when they would go to work, when they finally were able to get a good job, and then they got pregnant, they would get fired. Oh, yeah. That's, I mean, I think that's still going on. Unfortunately, that's still happening today. Like, women are like, oh, well, my boss said something about, oh, I guess you're done. Your career is done. Make it pregnant. And it's like, what the hell? And Why? I mean, your mother of two boys, and let me just tell you guys, this lady, <laughs> she was like, she killed me. I'm on the phone with her. I'm like, Donna, where are you now? I'm in Missouri. Huh? You were just in Chicago. Yeah. I'll be back tomorrow. Don't worry. She flies around all over the country and makes it back here, makes all her events, all this stuff, and she's on time, and then she's there. And then I just asked her, I was like, when do you sleep? <laughs> and she's like, I sleep. 
And that's what's important. That's why we have to advocate for what we believe in. That's why we can't let the conversation just die and, like, never have it. So it doesn't matter what your title is, Republican, you know. I say that to people all the time. It shouldn't matter if they're Republican or Democrat. It's who's fighting for me right now. Yeah. And but who's asking you to fight? Yeah. You know what I mean? Because let's say no one said anything. Well, let's say, well, nobody asked me. Nobody said anything. Nobody told me they were interested. So... I think it's different now. A lot of people are interested in all this stuff. And actually, so last night I was with the um, woman who was one of the leaders and creators of the Chicago Women's March. Oh, And so that was totally cool because Chicago Women's March was the second largest march in the entire country. And that was people just like you, just like me, who said, guess what? I'm going to do something. It was crazy back then the other day, but it was like so peaceful and the rain, so I really enjoyed myself. It was, and it was a great day. It was like yeah. the sky parted. Yeah, it was. It was nice. Yeah, it was nice. Yeah, it was sunny in January in Chicago. Yeah, it was like right. Yeah, but that just shows the power of activism. That just shows the power of people being out there who want to. Sorry, guys, you know me. I'm sitting with someone on the show. Who want to? Um, who want to make a difference, and that was wasn't a few people. It was a few hundred thousand people. So, so, and there was a lot of men out there. I was surprised to see so many men out there that were that were. And I mean, I have to say, thanks to my husband, I was allowed to go because he was like, "Go, baby, go, 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 go." Um, yeah, I got the kids, and so I went because I wasn't gonna go because I was like, I felt bad at him staying at home with the kids. He has the kids all the time, so I was like. Yeah. He's like, you go. I was like, all right, I'll see you later. That's good. That's good. Teamwork makes the dream work. That's how I like that. That's right. It does. Well, I brought my boys down there with me. And at first, it was a kind of weird conversation to even have with my boys because they were what? That was last year. So they were 11 and 12 or 12 and 13. I don't know. Um, But I said, well, yeah, we're going to this women's march. And then at first, they were like, why should we go to a women's march? (laughs) And I'm like, what? I was like, Okay, let's go back. I said, you're not going to a women's march. You're going to, the name of it is, yes, I know that. I said, but you're going to march so that people know that you stand in solidarity or you're for the same things. We should all have the same things. And I was like, does that make sense to you? They were like, well, yeah, of course. Why wouldn't I? I'm like, exactly. So it's not just a women's march. It's a march for people to come together and say, we believe, the main point was women's reproductive health care. But we believe we should all stick together, too. We're not just going to sit by and let people take away our rights and not say anything about it. So that was important for, for them. And they felt proud of themselves afterwards. Oh, good. Yeah. So what, are, what is, like, the next big thing Planned Parenthood is doing here in Illinois? And I know you talk to the National Board all the time because of your position. So what is, like, the big thing for Planned Parenthood coming up in the future? Well, the biggest thing right now is it's, in this environment of defunding um, or potential defunding, which means that the government is going to take away money that we've had for for many, many decades or years. So in the event of defunding, what's going to happen? And I just like to quote the president of Planned Parenthood, Cecile Richards. She says, we will provide health care no matter what. These doors will stay open. So these doors will stay open. We will continue to provide women's reproductive health care, and we also have many other services that um, transgender women. I mean, they go to the transgender population, which Illinois has um, a whole transgender services, which we've just incorporated in the last couple of years, which we're super proud of. We also help treat men for STDs, not just women. It takes two people to have. I didn't know you guys treated men for STDs. I'm learning from today. That's pretty yes, cool. Yes, we do. That's yeah. awesome. So these are all the things. And also, when you talk about family planning services, family planning does not have to be only a woman coming in to get information about family planning. And that is what a majority of what happens at Planned Parenthood is. I didn't, like I said, I know you guys put them in STD checks. That's cool, though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll make sure I spread the word on that because I know some nasty, I'm just not going to say nasty. <laughs> nasty little boys. Uh, yeah. Well, and that's what I mean about education. 
another, that's just another part of it. So, okay, yeah, because I'm, I'm curious about how that works. Okay, so I'm a guy, I go to Planned Parenthood, I'm sending an STD check. You guys, you guys educate the guys and say, listen, we're going to give you that STD check, but first we need to talk about your sexual health, like you should wear a condom, all of that. Okay, and cool. and what the different I mean, and we can kind of use all these terms. One thing I don't like to do is like throw around abbreviations without everybody making sure they understand what it is. I mean, STD. Everybody says what it is, but I bet you if you ask somebody seventeen or eighteen, like, what does STD stand for? Yeah, S sexually, T transmitted, D disease. Sexually transmitted disease. That's what it. So what does that mean? It's the only way you get this disease is through sex. Who and how you have sex, you're not going to get an STD on your own, but <laughs> it takes two. So whether um, you and your partner have, you know, a question, you can come in and get that question answered, or you can find resources to get information, because also, um, you know, there's an epidemic on the rise of certain STDs, certain older populations. <laughs> I heard that, like, there comes up the nursing homes, like, has, like, one of the highest STD rates in the country. And I was like, the nursing homes? But they were, like, the older generation wasn't taught sexual. They health. weren't taught that. And then, like, let's say like, oh, Lord. your spouse has died or, you know, you're just, you know, now you're having sex and you're thinking, well, I'm not going to get pregnant. So, so they don't think about the other part of it, and that's why lack of education. Yeah, and it's not age, you know, it's yeah. not age dependent. It was, it was a doctor, and he said, he said, he was like post, you know, younger doctor, and he was like, grandparents are getting STDs. And people yeah. were like, yeah. and he's like, they have sex. Yeah. He's like, how how do you think we got here in the first place? He's like, they have sex, you know, they're getting STDs, and, and he was like, and we and he was talking about it, and that's how I found out about it. And I'm just like, okay, well, and that yeah. So then, yeah. so what they started to do, he says they um bought condoms, right? And they brought condoms, and he said, well, the guy at the desk was like, people were afraid to come down. And he said, okay, so what we need you guys to do is go out. and have them out so they can have them in their room. Right. And yep. so that way they can use them. And he's like, if they have to request for more, tell them that he was driving no and request for more. It's simple. Like, you know. But I was like, that's amazing. But that's like what we're telling our teenagers. So it's not the age, it's the education. It's the educational component that piece is missing. Yeah. And um, so I was also going to say just about um, when you're talking about having them in a bowl. So one of the things that just happened in Illinois was um, our state rep, uh, Leticia Wallace, just introduced this legislation. Well, introduced it and it got passed. So anyway, now it's going to happen where women's feminine hygiene products now will be available in schools for free just in the bathroom. Yay! <laughs> I put that on our page all the time then. I was like, I feel bad, for, especially for these young girls. You get your first couple cycles, and you don't know. You really don't know what's going on now. Anyway, yeah. you're trying to clean it up. And I even said wipes. I said like you know the flushable wipes. I was like they should have like a little little package for them to grab, you know, just so they can take a couple to the bathroom. I was like, and people were like, well, the parents are supplying that, and I was like, not really. I was like, it's just it's nature. Well, like, you supply toilet paper in the bathroom, yeah. and you don't say, oh, the parents will supply that. I mean, but the parents. Could supply that, but let's just say you forgot it today. Yeah, that too. You know, or let's just say something happened and you didn't know it started today for the very first time. And it's always that walk of shame, and every woman knows that that's happened to them at least one time where they're just sitting there like, uh oh. <laughs> yeah. And then you don't have something with you. Now it's all embarrassing. Or one of the stories was in some of the schools, this, the girl would have to go up and ask the teacher. Well, that's embarrassing. So, she so now I get to go. Well, right, now I have to go up and tell the teacher I need some. Now everybody has to know what time of the month it is for you. How embarrassing is that? Then now you stop the class to go ask. Now you got to go to the bathroom and come back. Everybody knows that you did. It's embarrassing. I mean, who wants to do that when they're 12? Nobody wants to do that when they're 42. <laughs> I mean, it's just, you know, it's just something that you shouldn't have to do. So I'm just, I'm, that was just such a huge victory. And, this, again, why are we talking about this? Well, yeah, but somehow, <laughs> like, even the vending machines, I just said they should just put the vending machines in the 
and just make them free. Well, and that's what some schools did do that, but then they weren't filled up or what have you. So, but anyway, now for now it's universal. So now when I go into a public school building, and I want to make sure I'm gonna check my daughter's school because I I know some of the girls there started their cycle and they're ten. Yeah. Well, I started my cycle when I was ten. So well, I don't know how it's gonna actually be rolled out. Like I don't know if they're gonna. But the point is, that the conversation was had. That's now right. it's a law, and it has to be implemented in whatever way they deem fit. But now it won't be such a shame, another shameful woman conversation. Well, yeah, my mom just told me to make sure I always had some in my purse. Oh, yeah. Make sure you always keep it in your purse. Well, and I had to buy Yeah. And then she bought me white. And she said, white and pad. Yeah. And she's like, not a tampon, a pad. Yeah. She mm-hmm. was like, because if you're going to be out for a long time. I was like, all right. Well, yeah. Well, I just remember I had like a little school um, box, like the kind of thing you hold your pencils in or something like that. But that was my kit, and we would, my girlfriends and I would always be so organized. It's like, oh, I feel like my kit today, <laughs> and it's like, oh, brother. But yeah, so you know, you have that in your locker or whatever. I remember mine was like candy, and so one of the boys was like in my purse, and I was yelling at him. He was like, well, I just want to get a piece of candy. I was like, go ahead, open it. <laughs> and he's like, oh, that's not candy. No. He's like, but you're so cool about it. I was like, well, if you want to play with it. Right. Yeah. Okay. So what else do you want to talk about? Well, I just want to talk about, like, the importance of um, having conversations with your girls or with your boys, because I think that's something that's kind of missing today. Okay. You know, um, the people think they're in this Internet world and information is out there and everybody has access to information. But how do you position the information? That's what's important. I mean, even when I talk about sexual health with my kids, um, it's just a matter of fact conversation. You don't have to say, guess what? We're going to sit down right now and we're going to talk about sex, <laughs> you know? So I, I, I kind of weave it into different conversations, uh, weave it into hey, did you guys know? Because I learned something new, and maybe you don't know this too, just from our, some conversations at Planned Parenthood, um, that, you know, teenagers and maybe even young adults have different names for what they call sex. So I learned a new term called tip-topping. Well, you ever heard that? No, what is that? So apparently teenagers, and I've been polling some moms, <laughs> some of them know what it is and some of them don't. So tip topping is their new way of saying they're having, they're not having sex because they did tip top. No, you're just putting the tip in. Oh no, that's still sex. And they don't know that because now they've created this new name for it called tip topping. And since they say tip topping, so one of my friends who was an OBGYN, she's like, oh, okay, so you're just doing tip top. No, she said that she puts it like this. Like, okay, so have you had sexual intercourse before? No. She said, you tip top? She said, yeah. That's <laughs> all you're having. So you're having that. So, so then you have to go back and rehab the conversation. Like, okay, let me explain to you what's happening during the tip top process and the sex process that you're not having. It's the same thing. Yeah. It's the same thing. But they don't know that because we as adults, we're not talking to them enough, we're not getting into their lingo. We're not understanding what they're talking about. So we have to, I mean, I just want to beg everybody, please go out and have conversations with your kids. If you don't have any kids of your own, go talk to some kids that you don't know, I mean, that you know, who you don't know if their parents are talking to them or not, because they are just missing information. Some girls who are pregnant don't even know how they got pregnant. They could not explain that to you. They can't say the process of getting pregnant. They just know they're pregnant. They're not even sure they had sex. Because they had tip top, so I don't even know. Or tip top. So I mean, like back in the day, he was like, "Can I stick the head?" And I used to always be like, "No," right? Because I'm that's so slack. Like I wasn't stupid, but I knew that, and they don't know that. Yeah, well, well it's generational. So even back then, just even saying that part, that yeah. was a conversation then. And you know, I talked to my parents, and they said, "Well, back in the fifties, and you know, whatever, that they had their own little slang for it too." So every generation has their slang. So this pretty much men have been asking the same question in different ways. Maybe we'll try this. Term. Maybe she'll let me now. So the tip top one is working as a The tip top is working, and the bad thing too about tip top is that it, that's how you pass STDs. Yeah, I know. I'm like that's just pre-com all over the place. Like, oh, I mean, just 
you can still, so we have to talk to our youth. We have to make sure they have resources, and we don't want to shame them into it. You know, no. we want to give them information and have it be an open environment because they're listening to each other. They're listening to people who tell them that they can do tits off, whatever that is. And that's just the latest word I found out. I mean, I don't know. There might be something else that's come up in the last year or two, and I have no idea what it is. Yeah, no, I don't know. So, yeah, we definitely need to have conversations. So. Right, and don't forget the boys. I mean, you have to have the same conversation with girls and boys. It's not just a girl's responsibility to know these things or a boy's responsibility to know these things. I'm just brutally honest with my kids, and I'm sure they're just, like, sick of me because sometimes I'll just say things. But those, to me, like, I know, like, for me, that's how my mom was, and those are the best parents because guess what, like, I can honestly say she never lied to me. Like, right. what she told me was the truth, and it still is the truth. Like, you know, you need to get mammograms, you need to check your breasts when you're in the shower, you need to make sure you go get pap smears. All of that stuff, you know, is still relevant now. And she was telling me that, you know, in high school, she used to ask me, are you having sex? She was like, because if you are, it's okay. Don't be yeah. ashamed of it, but I need to say you'll be, you know, a pet me. Yeah. And those are kind of conversations. And I used to be like, okay, but I'm not. And she's like, okay. But see, you're lucky that you were able to have that conversation with your mother and that you felt like telling her the truth because some people either have no one to have that conversation with them or they don't want to believe their mother because they're not telling the truth. They're like, it's not okay. So who knows what the repercussions might be for some people because they might have an abusive relationship yeah, with their family. family yeah. um, mother or father, who knows. And it puts them in a jeopardizing situation where, okay, now you've told me this, and who knows, they might sell them out into prostitution right. or, or have them get physically abused by other people. So, but if we as a community just make that a safe conversation or let people know, because you just never know what somebody's going through when you see them, and if we can just start talking to people about these issues and not make it like, oh, it's some secret society, we're the only ones over here who know about this. Okay. Right. And well, that's why I thought sex ed in school was so important because, like, I remember in high school we had sex ed, and this is before they yanked how they did, you know, make stuff out of it. Like, I remember our teacher saying, like, if you don't feel safe talking to me, you know, and she gave us, like, a whole pamphlet. It was a list of places that you could contact, right, that were safe spots. That that's where you felt safe at, you know what I mean? Whichever one, you can go talk to these places, and, you know, no matter what was going on. One of my friends got pregnant in high school, and she, I guess she used that. So she, and that's mm-hmm. how she found out she was pregnant. Right. And so I was like, that. I think that those resources are missing today in our schools, and that's why I'm looking at people like, like you said, it's education. Why would you cut that? Right. Well, yeah. Well, I will say Illinois is one of the few states um, that has, well, I don't know how many. Actually, let me take that back. But I will say what happened in Illinois was in 2013, we passed a bill here where we had to mandate us having medically relevant, comprehensive, evidence-based sex education. So it's like a big old mouthful. But all that means is you can't just tell somebody, oh, a stork delivers a baby. And there you go. So that's pretty much what, that's what Indiana did. Uh-huh. And now they're STD rated like through the roof because Pence was like, and this is when he was governor. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was like, oh, well, you know. STDs, you know, once you get married and have sex, you don't have to worry about it. And I was like, who's listening to that? Right. Yeah, but I was like, yeah, okay. Well, and, and, and also in that one area when um, he cut Planned Parenthood and cut the Planned Parenthood funding in the state of Indiana, then there was a Planned Parenthood in a certain area. I can't remember what exact area it was. But that area had about a 200% increase in HIV because that was one of the other testing that was done at this Planned Parenthood Center. So when we cut funding, we cut resources, we cut the ability for people to come in and and gain and more education around whatever is important to them. We can't mean that for them. But we cut that and we see that now you have an epidemic. I mean, that was an epidemic proportion. Yeah, I mean, because I know like with, with sex ed also came drug education too. Yeah. So they went hand in hand. About not sharing needles. Yes. And that's because what happened like, in it's that all area. blood. It's all blood trans, you know. And so I'm just like, if you keep cutting these programs to teach people not to do right. things that are harmful to their bodies, I'm like, we're never going to yeah. learn. So yeah. we have like 15 minutes left. Is there any yeah. other? Um, well, 
all, all of those things kind of have been woven in through every part of my life. And the other part of my life that is really super important to me is um, just being an active participant in the voting process and being politically engaged. And I think we saw as a result of people not being politically engaged <laughs> um, that we're in a situation we're in. So we're about to have midterm elections and people have to be registered to vote and they have to get out there and vote. I've been a voter registrar for almost 20 years. I've registered hundreds of people to vote. Today, actually, um, one of my really good friends who is advocating a lot for felons to make sure that they have the right to register to vote, and they do. In Illinois. In, in Illinois, Illinois, you have the right. Because yeah, I know specifically say, in Illinois, if you're a felon, you have the right to vote. But some of them don't know that, and so she conducts classes to help educate that so again, I keep saying the word educate, but yeah. So just making sure that we're spreading that message, and then that we're exercising our right to vote. And I tell people a lot of times the story about how when I um, when I went to college, I was 17 when I went to college, and then school started whenever August, and then I turned 18 in um, September. So that's when my birthday is in September, and then I could register to vote. And then I registered to vote. I got all these calls from my family members. Oh, make sure you go register to vote. Okay, okay, okay. So now it's November, time for the election. I will always laugh about how my grandmother, my, my grandmother called me, my great-grandmother called me, my mother called me, my aunt called me, everybody called me at like 5 a.m. Like, okay, so you're going to register to vote today? I'm like, uh, it's 5 o'clock. She's like, yeah, I'll be there, but not right now. <laughs> my grandmother, she would not let me get off the until I got out the house. Now, we didn't have a cell phone then, because this was before that. Um, so I was like, okay, grandma, called grandma. I'm like, grandma, it's 5 o'clock. She's like, yeah, but you better go, because there might be a line. I'm like, there is not going to be a line if I'm the first one there. She's like, it's really better to be the first one there. And she's always right. She's always right. There was not a line, though, but that was just, that's just how important voting was in my family. And that's why we just all took it so, so seriously. And I'm like, no, they took it, like, uber seriously. <laughs> so they were like, I had the same thing. Like, I was at my grandmother's house, and it was election day. And she was like, did you go vote yet? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like all right. She's like, no, ma'am. She's like, what are you doing more important? I was like, okay, yes, ma'am. Right. And so guess what I did for Granny? Let's go vote. So, yeah, I voted for um, Carrie versus Bush. That was my first okay. election that I could actually vote in. Okay. Yeah, it was on my birthday, so. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. So but I spread that message. I tell all the young people that I registered to vote that. Story, does it, you know? If you want to register to vote, we're nationwide here. Actually, we're international here. Go to Rock the Vote and Rock the Vote. You can Google search Rock the Vote. Um, they register people in all 50 states. And they also, I believe, they still have links on there for other places in other countries or something like that if you want to register to vote. Awesome. So, yeah, to Rock the Vote. Well, everyone should. And each one bring one. That's my other little statement. Each one bring one. You go register yourself to vote, bring your friend with you. Say, guess what we're doing today? We're going to go register to vote together, friend. And they'll appreciate you one day for it. So it's an easy thing to do. But not only just registering to vote, but going out to vote on election day. And if you can't make it, like I tell people all the time, if you can't make it, you know you're busy around that time period or your job doesn't allow you to vote, you can always ask some people, like, yeah, that's that's what I, and it's so easy because they actually send you something in the mail. You fill it out, you throw it back in the mail, and you right. vote it. Right. You can drop it off at the board of elections if you want to. Um, and most of the time, that's like in the court building. So, and most of us, how they set up our court buildings, most of us live, especially in Illinois, by a court building. Right. So you can just go drop it off there. They have drop boxes. So there's like really no excuse why there's you're really not. Really no excuse, except for maybe lack of education. So if you don't know these things, you're not going to know that you should go do it. My other funny story about one of my girlfriends is that she moved to Indiana, and it was about two and a half hours away. Um, but then she had to go work two hours from where she uh, she actually lived, and it was election day. 
And then she said, Carol, yeah, I gotta, I gotta catch a flight so I can come in and vote because I, I didn't get my absentee and I thought I had changed my voter registration over to Indiana. So she's like, so I'm flying in and out so I can go vote. Wow. She was serious. She was like, no, I am not not she's voting. Like, I'm voting. Like, she's like, I am voting. So I'm flying in and out. Go That's dedication. Vote. I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> that was dedication. That yeah. was I would say, like, we need to get online voting, but what after with Russia, I'm like, I don't know if that's a good idea. Like, But we do need to figure out a way to make it. Yeah. And I mean, early voting here, I know early voting here in Illinois is super easy. When I called, when I was working for, um, the, I won't say the name of Super PAC, I was working for a Super PAC. It was a progressive Super PAC. Um, I know states like North Carolina and like those southern and Virginia areas, those are a lot harder states to go early vote in, and they have some really weird hours and stuff yeah, like right. that. And I know why they were doing it. Right. Suppression. Yeah, it's voter suppression. So I was like, yeah. and lady was like, well, I went, and I was in line, but they told me they were, I was supposed to lunch, and I had yeah. to come back two hours later. And the line's longer. Yeah, and then she's like, well, now the line, I went back two hours later. And then she said, well, I didn't make the cutoff, so this is the cutoff time, and they're going to shut. So I'm like, this is crazy. But you can't give up. I mean... But they do make it very hard for you. Yeah, and then in North Carolina, they changed all their polling places on purpose. Right. So places that people were voting for 20 years, See, that's horrible. they were no longer voting. And this is this past election that Hillary ran in. And I thought people were like, oh, well, she lost North Carolina, she lost this. I'm like. <laughs> oh, there is a, I have a friend who knows every number of um, fraud and all the numbers of Potential. Yeah, it was crazy. And I know it was Wisconsin and the same thing that was happening in like cities like Milwaukee and in Madison. They were moving stuff around and changing stuff. So that's why I look at people and I go, yeah. yeah. Where's the checks and balances that we're supposed to have? Where are they? Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. So we have to make sure that at least we have to try to keep, you know, doing our part. And our part is to register to vote and to go and vote on Election Day. And here in Illinois, too, the other thing is that um, if you're 17 and you're going to be 18 by the election, you can choose a register vote. So that gets our young people totally involved in the voting process, um, you know, while they're still in high school. And some high schools have voter registration right there at the high school. Yeah. So yeah. that makes it much easier for them. Like I said, rock the vote. It's on yeah. rock the train. Right, it's easy to find out. Yeah. But I just think that all of this just goes back to what, what you're passionate about. You might not know, especially if you're in high school, you might not know exactly what you're passionate about. But I really, I mean, I have nieces and nephews. They're all very passionate about many, many things. And some of them are just like this. And even though they can't vote yet, they're talking about registering the vote and they're doing all that. So the, the key is getting involved, getting involved in something and making sure you're part of the process. Because if you just sit by and sit on the sidelines, really nothing is going to happen for you or us. And we all have to work together so that we're making sure that we have the kind of society that we want. And we're fighting for the things that we believe in. If we don't fight for it, it will go away, all of it. So is there anything else you want to add before we hang up? Well, I appreciate you having this great show and the uh, Making sure I hear these views that I've been watching the whole time. This is going to be one of the highest views shows that we've ever had. Oh, really? Because <laughs> you're, I mean, you guys so much knowledge today, so I appreciate you coming on. Oh, thank you. All right. Okay. Keep up the good work. All right, guys. Um, I guess I'll see you guys next week. I think we might have, I don't know, one of the judges might come on. We'll see. Bye, guys.